0: In this episode once again we speak to Tom Crosshill. Tom is a Latvian author of speculative and literary fiction. He has his work has appeared in publications in Chinese, in Cuban, in Finnish, in Latvian, in English and Polish. Crosshill has been nominated for several Nubola Awards and won the European Science Fiction Society Award for Best Author in 2016. Crosshill is also an entrepreneur and investment trainer who started his career on the Wall Street and is currently training other individuals to be uh, investors themselves. He has been shortlisted by Forbes, Baltics and 40 under 40 foot list of financial professionals. And today, Tom Crosshill is going to tell us how you can start investing today as a beginner. Let's find out. I'm your host, Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Khan, your money mindset expert. And once again, we have the amazing, the talented Tom Crosso. Welcome, Tom. Hello. Uh, Tom, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. Please, in your own words, share with everybody what it is that you do.
1: Hi, so I'm an entrepreneur, an investment trainer, and an author. And day to day, I help busy Europeans go from zero to invested in their own ETF or index fund portfolios over the course of just a few weeks.
0: Wonderful. And so today's topic, Tom, is how to start investing as a beginner. Talk us through how if if someone's uh, has got a decent job or a business and they have a little bit you know extra money coming in and they're like they think okay I should start investing now. What's the process? What's the steps? Talk us through.
1: Yeah, so what I always say is the first thing you want to do is get educated at least a little bit because i mean it's great to learn by doing but when you learn investing by doing then it's easy to waste money essentially to lose money and it takes us a lot of time to make money right so it makes sense to get educated a bit but that's why we're here on this podcast so that's great uh, the second thing is to think about your safety cushion yeah mm-hmm. Uh sometimes people make the assumption that just because i've saved 2,000 grand, for example, then I it's okay to just go ahead and invest it all in in stocks or crypto or whatever. Uh, the thing is, people don't think about life contingencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might seem like, well, you know, I'm not going to need that money over the next three or six months because I have a good job, a stable income or whatever. But the one thing about life that never changes is that we get surprises, right? There are always surprises. We don't know what the surprises will be but there are always some surprises. Uh, so before you invest, it's important to have a safety cushion. And the way I usually think about it is, if you're um, uh, an individual, you don't you you're single, you don't have kids, you don't have a spouse, you don't have any responsibilities, it might be enough to have just enough money to live for a month or two. On the other hand, if you're Let's say a single father of three children with unstable income, you might have enough, you might want to have enough saved to live for nine months or 12 months, right? It, you might need a big safety cushion just because you're responsible for three kids and, 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 and your income is not stable, right? So, so this safety cushion, it's some money you put aside in your bank account, which you don't invest. You have it ready. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to illustrate why that's important so so i had a friend there uh, there was a friend of mine uh back in the when i was working on wall street in the us um who who had to sell his stocks his stock investments at the worst time when the, there was the it was the big financial crisis and the market was really down and it was really negative and he had to sell at a big loss um and and and, and i was talking to him and i was so he was so unhappy he knew it was a horrible time to sell but he had to sell because he didn't have a safety cushion. He had lost his job. He didn't have a safety cushion. He had to sell at a bad price so he could put food on the table for his family. You don't want to be in that position, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you want to have that safety cushion, okay? So that's okay. the next step. Okay. Yep. So I, I okay. Mean, let me just
0: stop you for a second. So you're saying, um, and I agree, uh, depending on, on what your variables are, because everyone's circumstances are different. But most financial planners would also, and myself included, would would advise 6 to 12 months. And you know what's more, you know, if you're more uh, concerned, lean towards 12 months. And if you are, you're you're a bit more stable than 6 months. But 6 to 12 months of your monthly expenses that you're spending at the moment should be in your bank account first before you think about investing.
1: That's right. I mean... I, I do say because sometimes you know I, I get uh, students or, or, or younger people with no responsibilities and, yeah. or maybe you know somebody who's working at a very stable government job and with with a with a rich family or whatever I mean if you have a lot of other support structures having a smaller safety cushion can be fine but be realistic if you might need more money it's better to have it uh, and you know uh, rather than risk it all and then and then regret it okay but anyway so we have that safety cushion in place right and then the next question is okay where do we invest you know, wh- in which direction should you look i don't know gal have you had this experience uh i've had i when i was starting out i had this experience when everybody had advice for me like uh, somebody was like okay uh you should buy real estate it, it's the only way to really get rich is mm-hmm. invest in real estate somebody else is. Saying you should day trade. There's a great system to buy and sell stocks that I've discovered. Uh, somebody else is saying, Oh, well, Forex, the trading currencies, it's very smart. Today, it's your cousin saying that crypto, crypto is the big thing. Like everybody has advice. I don't know. Yep. Right? Yeah. Enough, so, my, so, enough,
0: let me add and i don't listen to family but i do listen to other people's advice and i've gone down the route where i lost money in all of these scenarios let me let me just add that i've lost money in real i've lost money in crypto i've lost money in forex and i've lost money in shares so let's carry on (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right so that's that's a lot of valuable experience right uh, but yeah, so when you're confronted with this and you don't have expertise, it's natural to either, yeah, take somebody's advice and get burned, or or to kind of say, okay, this is too complicated. I'm just not going to do anything. Um, and both of those are probably not not the best approach. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to go through this experience. And 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 uh, long story short, I had this mentor on Wall Street who kind of helped me figure it out. And and he helped me figure out the difference between what is speculating. And what is investing? Okay. Yeah? Um, and, and essentially, there are uh, things... Uh, w- w- when we put our money into something to speculate, that is when we are buying something where we just buy it and then hope to sell it at a higher price to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that we buy is not necessarily something that's going to make us money. We just b- hope to buy it low and to sell it high. Yeah. Okay. So typical speculative investments would be uh, gold... Uh, crypto? the Forex, the uh, crypto. Yes, these are speculative investments. Um, now, if you're really, really good, I mean, research is divided on this. It's very hard to speculate successfully. But if you're really, really good and you spend a lot of time and energy doing it, um, you might be successful. I mean, there are certainly people who have made a lot of money in crypto. I can't yeah. deny that. Nobody yes, can deny that, right? <laughs> But statistically, it, it's, it's like play, it's a bit like playing poker. And yeah. so if you're an amateur, you're going to lose against the professionals, right? Yeah. It's kind of gambling. Uh, and if you want to become a professional, it's going to be a full time commitment. And do you really want to do that? Yeah. I mean, most people don't want to spend all their day watching charts and trading and doing all this stuff, no. right? It's cut. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, I I see it as not very fulfilling. You're not actually helping people You're just, you know, I mean, if you love it, okay, people love poker, people love all kinds of things, but that's speculating, okay? It's not really maybe the best way uh, to invest for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have investing, which is where you buy something that creates economic value and you hold it long-term. So you're not trying to find somebody else who will buy it at a higher price. Um, you are buying something that's going to generate income or at least which has the potential to generate income for you. Okay. And there, um, uh, long term, well, there are three big investments, but actually the most profitable are two. Yeah, And it's, it is real estate, real estate is one of them, uh, and companies, business is the other one, stocks mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, If we look at really centuries of data, these two are the most profitable investments. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate, because you buy some real estate and you rent it out, and there's two kinds of like, over time, hopefully the price goes up, over time, mm-hmm. yeah, over the long term, plus you're getting rental income, so that's mm-hmm. nice um and and in stocks it's because you're buying companies where people work hard and they make money mm-hmm. and they're generating wealth for shareholders actually maybe people on the street don't realize it but I mean, in a sense, the only reason of companies, like the only kind of reason for companies to exist is to make shareholders richer. That's the job of management. It's to create profit for shareholders. So in a sense, it's a perfect vehicle for people who want to grow their wealth because that's Mm -hmm. the point. Companies look for ways to create wealth, Mm -hmm. right? So it makes sense that investing in companies... Kind of is a good idea, right? Yep. So that's the next step to understand that okay, there's speculating, there's investing, and on the investing side, the most profitable ones are real estate and and stocks or companies. Okay. And now the choice between the two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So um, real estate is really attractive to a lot of people, right? Yeah. Uh, because stock can seem like something that's abstract that you can't touch. Real estate. I mean, we can all imagine what an what an apartment looks like, what, what a house looks it's like. It's more
0: tangible, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can go there. We can touch it. We don't need special education, or at least we think we don't, to understand it. Although, actually, being able to evaluate a property and find hidden damage and it's not that simple, right? Mm-hmm. But we we think you know anybody can do it, right? Um, so a lot of people are drawn toward that and it can be fantastic I mean if you enjoy it if you enjoy dealing with real estate if you enjoy dealing with tenants looking for them uh working with them uh If you're okay taking calls in the middle of the night, like I I have a colleague uh, who's our cameraman who's like <laughs> It's a joke in our office because I talk about this in our training videos and, and then we're always joking because he, he's always getting calls, uh, like this broke, that broke, and he has to leave and fix something and take care of things. That's, that's the life as a landlord. If you enjoy that, um, uh, real estate investing can be a really good way to invest. It really can. Um, and as you get more affluent, maybe you can afford to hire somebody to take care of your properties. That is also problematic sometimes because you have, it's hard to find somebody reliable and you have to kind of watch them. And uh, But it's doable. Uh, it, it's okay, but you should realize that investing in real estate is investing in a small business. Mm-hmm. It's a small business. It's not passive yeah. income. It's a small business. You can hire a manager for that small business. You can manage it yourself, but it has to be managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for that reason for many beginner investors, I think real estate is maybe not the ideal solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I t- generally tend to lean and what that's what I personally use is, is more in the direction of stocks and, and companies and in business investing in business, because I mean, the example i like to use is if you invest in tesla and there's a pipe that breaks uh, in the tesla gigafactory or giga how do you pronounce it gigafactory i guess yeah uh in texas elon musk is not going to call you in the middle of the night and tell you that you need to go fix it right Mm. in the case of a company shareholders are not asked to do work they're not allowed to do work yeah it's management and employees that have to do the work so uh, company investing share, uh, share investing stock investing it's kind of passive by definition. Um, you, you the shareholder doesn't participate in solving these operational problems. So in, in that sense, for beginners, it can be a lot uh, more attractive. Okay, yeah. so that's kind of the next step I'll take a little break to give you a chance to, uh, to also react because I know I, I know I've been talking and uh, but so what we've covered so far is that you want your safety cushion then you put aside speculation and focus more on long-term investing and then you kind of see probably it's either real estate or or stocks and companies and and if you don't want to deal with the practical issues of real estate then maybe moving in the stock direction makes more sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, so let me just recap this for people. So the first and foremost important thing is to have um, a contingency plan. So have something that is put um, way on the side that you, you know, which, you know, God forbid, you have ill health and other things happen. And we do have insurances, as those cover those as well. We, we, we can have that as well. I know that if you lose a job or if you are even self-employed, you can have insurances um, to cover that. Um, Ill health, again, insurances, but... To be on the safe side for peace of mind and um, for, for you to, for your mind to be at rest, it doesn't matter what happens, you have to go insurance, but you know, God knows it sometimes insurance plays up for whatever reason. You've got physical money sitting down in, in the bank, which will keep you going um, while you get back on your feet, whatever time you what's required. So that's step number one. Step number two is then, okay, figuring which way to go. Um, and that is... Um, for more the investment you talked about real estate because i do have real estate and i do understand this yes you can pass it on to um a third party but then the profitability is a lot lower and something always breaks down and so it's not the initial investment it's something else afterwards and keeping it going and the rise of interest rates it's not passive it's really really active and you have to deal with headache even when you have um management companies looking after it so i don't go and fix the bathrooms or toilets i have management companies and they charge me ten plus for that, so basically twelve to thirteen percent of, of my of my rent. Yet um, you know, anything that needs to be broken or fixed, I just have to pay for it. And and we and this interest rates with so That's not <laughs> first hand experience. If you're not um if you don't have um financial planning correctly done, real estate can really um really pull you down and actually give you nightmares and night nice time to be honest, especially with the rising rates. Uh, and I'm going to give a quick example of this. Actually, you may not be aware of this, but this is specific to UK. We had, you may have heard of the green, uh, the green fall tower where it was it burned down, yeah. and um, because of that the clad there was a cladding issue, and then they went and checked all the you know the tall rise buildings in UK, and a number of them had cladding issue. Any building that's been identified as having cladding issue, no mortgage lender will either would um, renew it. Or, um, you know, they all, all give you, or you can't take the mortgage away from them. So you, you're, you're stuck with the mortgage lender that you have because no, no new mortgage lender would, um, would lend on it. And current mortgage lenders don't want to give you a deal on it. So I'm stuck with this mortgage lender who's charging me crazy interest rates because I can't move my mortgage because they know it and they want me to move it because they don't want it. But I'm stuck because I can't change. And with the rise of the mortgage rates, I'm paying with the keep in mind there's about 50% equity in the property. It's not like there's not an equity in there. You know, if I hit, if, I, if, I, if it's anything else, I would be able to move. With the current status, the base rate at the moment is 3.5. Interest rate that I am on currently is 7.39. It's crazy. Like, how? But that's criminal. But they know I can't move until that cutting issue has been resolved, which apparently the work's gonna start in April. And by the end of the year, we'll be, we'll be able to get rid of it. But until then, I'm stuck. So these are the kind of things you, you end up falling into. If people don't talk about it, people don't realize, real estate has these pitfalls. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com inside the workshop. So that leads yeah. us on to stocks and whether you're able to invest as a passive as a well, you can get passive income, where you're looking at two forms of um, two forms of, of forms of income. One is the growth of the, the the of the share, share price, and two is dividends. I'm assuming that's what you're coming on to, the passive income that you get is the dividends. So I think, have I recapped properly? Or just
1: said so far? Yes, uh, I, I think it's a very good recap, but it's actually a, an interesting point about the uh, passive income and dividends. Uh, yes, dividends is definitely a big part of the story. Uh, it's not actually all the story okay. uh, because um, uh, actually I see that a lot of people uh, uh, who come into kind of stock investing and maybe ETF or index investing, uh, they initially focus uh, primarily on the dividends. But then with time, you kind of realize that profit is profit is profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meaning uh, it's not necessarily that important um, whether um, the price goes up or whether you get a dividend. And in fact, for tax reasons, uh, in many cases, depending on your tax bracket, you might prefer the price to go up as opposed Mm -hmm. to getting a dividend and then sell and pay a lower capital gains rate. Or you might have your, in the UK, you have these huge, at least for now, you have these huge capital gains Mm -hmm. exemptions every year that you can use, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of the time you can just take passive income by selling if the price goes up as opposed to necessarily focusing on but that's a technical discussion yeah that, that depends on taxes and other issues uh, but uh, but overall that yeah the, the summary was uh, was absolutely absolutely right um, now so we come to stocks is something that can provide us passive income uh, mm-hmm. but it's not the end of the line
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because stocks stock investing per se uh, if anybody has tried it you probably know it's not very passive mm-hmm. uh, it's passive in the sense they're not going to ask you to fix the pipe. In the factory, but it's not passive in the sense that uh, okay, how do you pick the stocks? Yes, if if you want to pick stocks reliably, kind of not reliably, uh, responsibly, yeah, you you would have to presumably build a portfolio of maybe twenty or thirty different companies to spread mm-hmm. risk. To pick twenty or thirty different companies, you might need to review sixty or seventy companies to find the ones that you think are the best. You would have to read the financial statements, model, model them in Excel, do all these things, right? Uh, and I, honestly, I mean, even even for a financial professional, that's that's overwhelming. I mean, uh, that's that's the job of a full time portfolio manager. It, it's it's not realistic. Um, so so I, either you take a guess. You know, oh, you know, Boeing looks good. I'm going to buy Boeing. Tesla. I heard a lot about Tesla. I mean, you know, I believe in Elon. I'm going to buy Tesla. So you do this, which you know, obviously, most of the time doesn't maybe yield the best results, uh, or you kind of give up because because it's just overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's that's the next challenge, and then there we come to the next step, uh, which uh, uh, is uh, today, in a sense, not a secret, but it's surprising that. Even more people aren't doing it, which is passive investing through index funds or and/or ETFs. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So, let me ask you. My assumption was index funds are the same as ETFs. Am I wrong? Uh,
1: So, it's a technical distinction, uh, and I I would say most people don't need to worry about it starting out. Uh, Basically etfs can be index funds and most etfs are index funds but some etfs are not index funds the Uh, main difference is that uh etfs are funds that you can buy on a stock exchange like a share uh, whereas, uh, index funds, index mutual funds, uh, are funds that you can buy on a fund platform or directly from a provider, like maybe Vanguard or HSBC or somebody else. You, you can go directly to them and, and buy some shares and then redeem those shares later. Um, so the difference is uh, mechanical, but for most beginners, it's not important for, yeah. Uh, 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 when you are first looking at it, whether it's index fund or ETF, don't worry about the distinction. It's kind of the same thing in in the vast majority of cases. Yeah.
0: Okay, all right. So, so talk us through that. And you know, you're, you're saying go, but there, there are a number of ETFs as well. There are so many ETFs. How do we even decide from there?
1: Yeah, I, I think actually uh, it, it's important even before that to take a little step back and, and ask, what is ETF or what is an index fund? Right. Uh, because when I do my webinars, I find that usually twenty percent of the people understand okay. index funds already. Uh, maybe thirty percent have heard the name, and 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 most of the rest don't even haven't even heard the name right okay. um so so uh, a really kind of simple and uh, example or explanation that i use is I- imagine that you have 10 pounds let's say and you go to a candy store mm-hmm. uh and it's a new candy store it looks really cool there's all these colorful candies and 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 you don't know what's good. You don't know what's the local specialties and, uh, and, and it's difficult to choose. Like you want to try everything. You don't want to buy something that doesn't taste very good. So if you just bought one or two different candies, there's a bigger chance of disappointment. If you buy a bag of candies, which has all kinds of candy in there, you know, you're probably going to be pretty satisfied at the end, right? Well, I know it's a really simplistic explanation, but index funds are a little bit like that. If you look at the whole stock market, uh, it's really difficult to figure out which companies are going to be the best performing, uh, which stocks are going to be the best performing. Uh, so unless you're an expert who works on it full time, it's really difficult. What an index fund or ETF does is, well, it says, well, let's just buy a little bit of all the companies. Yeah. And at first it seems like a naive approach, like you don't want to buy Uh, A lot of good companies and a lot of bad companies. Why would I buy all the bad ones? I just want the good ones. Uh, But people kind of forget that uh, the companies that these funds buy, these are the biggest, most successful companies in the economy. If a company is on a major stock exchange, it's not your neighborhood struggling mom and pop. It's Mm -hmm. it's not some tiny little company that's just trying to get by. The companies who are traded on major stock exchanges all of them to a significant extent can be considered successful companies or Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And when you have a bunch of mostly successful companies, um, that are well known and that all the investors are paying attention to. It becomes very difficult to predict which, which stocks will perform better than the others. Yeah. Because they're all pretty successful and they're all closely watched. A lot of investors are looking at them and the price of each stock already reflects everything that the market knows about that company. So it's very difficult to be smarter than all the other investors and say, well, this stock is actually underpriced. It's too cheap. I'm going to buy it. This is too expensive. Yeah. So instead, what an index fund says is just buy all these successful companies, buy a little bit of all of them. And okay, yes, a, a few of them might fail totally, a few out of hundreds. Some of them might not do so well. Others will do great. But overall, I'm getting the total result of all these successful companies. I'm investing basically in the whole economy. So yeah.
0: let, me, let me let me clarify this, people who are right beginners. When you buy an index fund, so when you buy one one share in, is it one share in, in an index fund?
1: One share, one unit, yeah. One
0: unit. Yeah. So we're just trying to just simplify it. One share stroke unit in an in a index fund. That one share represents all of those companies in that index fund. That's what we're saying. So you buy a tiny bit in each of the companies. Is that correct?
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. So uh, so each index fund follows some index. So you might have... The S&P 500, which is 500 big, uh, uh, American companies. It might be MSCI world, which has 1600 developed world companies. It depends what the index is. And, and then you, when you invest in this fund, you get a tiny little bit of all these different companies. So you really diversify your risk. Your risk is spread out among all these companies. You get, and you get their kind of average combined result. And, and, and the amazing thing that happens is that, I mean, sometimes people think, an average result i mean who wants that right but the amazing thing that happens is that this average result of all these companies ends up being stronger than what most professional investors get in their investment funds mm. and another way uh, to think about it is um okay it's the average result is the average result of, of the market um uh, so th- what if what if somebody offered you the chance to be as good at playing the piano as the average professional pianist without mm-hmm. practicing. Would you like that? Would you take that? It would if, be crazy if, good, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of similar. You're getting the average result of the market, which is mostly made up of, of professional investors. You're getting this average result. Yeah. By just investing in an index fund, you didn't have to go to finance, uh, to school for finance. You didn't have to research, in- learn for years and all this thing. You're, you're getting the average. Mm. Um, so it, it's really powerful. It's why, uh, for example, uh, same warren buffett uh, recommends index funds he says with an index fund the no nothing investor can get a better result than most investment professionals Hmm. it's why many nobel prize winners recommend index funds and etfs because it it, it's a really simple way you you click a button and you invest in this fund and you and and you get the market average result now there are some risks we can talk about that uh it's not like a magic solution to everything, but but it can be a really really uh, effective way for somebody who's not an expert to invest in the stock market.
0: So let's talk about the risks. What risks are there with ETFs and index funds?
1: The key risk is simply the risk of the market, right? So an index fund is not a magic pill. It doesn't guarantee that you will always get a profit. Uh, it does spread your risk among a lot of different companies, so that's fantastic. But if the whole market goes down, your fund will go down. So over the past 12 months, for example, most of your stock index funds will have gone down because the market went down. Now, over the t- past 10 years, they're still strongly positive over the long term. Yeah. The market has gone up and historically pretty much always over 10, 15 years, the market has gone up with very, very rare exceptions. If you buy at absolutely the worst time and you sell at the worst time but otherwise long term it's always gone up but in the short term especially yes there there, uh, you can experience losses and you have to be aware of that you should not go into investing thinking i'm going to listen to tom i'm going to read the right book and i'm not going to suffer losses everybody suffers losses from time to time it's normal you have to expect that okay uh what index funds what I'm not too concerned about when I buy an index fund is what sometimes beginners worry more about, which is, well, what if, I don't know, the fund provider goes bankrupt and, and, and somehow the money just disappears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy a reputable fund from a major provider, uh, somebody big, whatever, Vanguard. I shares, that is BlackRock or HSBC or Amundi or UBS or whatever. Um, that risk is tiny, 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 because by law the investments in the fund are held separately from the assets of the um, of the money manager. Okay. So even if something happens to the money manager. Those are still those investments belong to the investors, okay, uh, and they're not really uh, in much danger at all, okay. Uh, so in that sense, uh, index funds don't add much risk, uh, but uh, but you do have that market risk. So it's just important to be kind of realistic about it to understand that.
0: I think this goes back to the point I think you're t- talking about on Friday, where, you know, even if the markets are crashing or going to crash or have crashed and whatever else, all the speculation that's going around in the current financial markets because of the recession or, um, or apparently onset of, of the recession, it doesn't really matter long term. That's the point you're saying. So if you have a long term vision for this, this investment that you're doing, which I'm assuming most people do, then over a period of time, over the last 10 years or 15 years, the, um, you know, the, the FTSE 100 and, um, S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, they've all gone up significantly. And there is a time period, especially the, the time period we're going through at the moment. They have last year, they did go down quite a bit, but that means that you can get in at a discount price for those inter funds, which you would have paid higher, um, you know, had they been in the beginning of 2021. So isn't that, um, not necessarily a bad thing it's just you just need to you know weather the storm and just not panic when markets do wobble with their do but if they look historically over the period of the last century overall the trajectory is up you just they may go up and now but they eventually goes up and you just have to be patient for the market to turn around and come back up is that correct
1: uh, yeah, but that's, that's generally right. You can't predict exactly when it will go back no. up and it can keep going down for a while, but over the yeah. long term, yes. And people misunderstand, like, if you go on forums like Reddit, there's a lot of sarcasms, like, stonks always go up and whatever, like, as if that's something that's being, that's ridiculous. But it's because people misunderstand fundamentally what's happening. Um, they don't understand why stocks go up. The reason stocks, there, there's several reasons. Yeah. Uh, stocks go up, uh, for, for a number of reasons. For First of all, when you invest in stocks, you're investing in real companies, okay? Mm. Uh, These real companies, there are people working there uh, and they're generating some kind of profits. Even if the economy doesn't expand, those profits are there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a, let's say there's a flat level of profit. Companies are still making some profit. If you look at these uh, price, uh, these uh, stock market graphs, these are usually total return graphs, which include dividends, which means mm-hmm. they include the profit that companies make. That means, you know, even if the economy doesn't get bigger, the market can still go up. Inflation stocks generally go up with inflation because the prices go up not in the short term over the long term because the prices go up companies make more money everything costs more so that's another reason for for those curves to keep going up over time okay uh so it's uh, and then of course if there's economic growth that 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 is a third reason why why the uh, market goes up so it's not actually you know, it can seem counterintuitive. How is it possible that stocks go up for like a hundred years and they keep going up? But there's, there's a good reason. Yeah. Stocks are not abstract pieces of paper. We're investing in real companies which make money. A ton of people spend a lot of time and effort working there and making that money. Yeah, it's not coming out of nowhere. And that's why the market uh, goes up over time. Yeah. And so in the short term, yes, it can go down. It can even go down for years. You have to realize that. But personally, I'm, I'm very confident as long as we don't have nuclear Armageddon, which is always a possibility. But as long as we don't have that, then I'm very confident that long-term stock investors will do uh, very well.
0: Wonderful. Well, on that note, let's wrap this up. So can we just go through the recap of um, steps for a new beginner? And then we can wrap up today's um, episode.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So first of all, you want to make sure you have your safety cushion in place. Yeah. Don't invest your last cent uh, or pence or whatever. Um, uh, Then uh, once you have your safety cushion in place, usually you don't want to go toward gambling and speculation. You want to go through long term, uh, toward long term investing, which would be stocks or real estate. If you don't want to deal with the practical aspects of real estate, then stocks might be a more passive approach. But stock picking is still challenging. And that's why index funds and ETFs can be a good choice. And usually the smartest approach with those is to invest regularly for the long term without worrying too much about when the market goes up or down. Just keep to your strategy and invest long term. Of course, everybody has to evaluate their own individual circumstances, but that's kind of general principles that, that, that tend to work quite well over time.
0: Wonderful. So tell us, Tom, where can we connect with you? How can we find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, you can find me at tomcrosshill.com. Or if you'd like to learn more about investing from Europe, you can uh, visit our web- webinar, which is at go.indexmasterclass.com. Uh, and also, I highly recommend that everybody check out my YouTube channel. Just look for Tom Crosshill. We have a lot of good content on investing and personal finance
0: fantastic so if you are listening to us on the podcast the links that tom has just mentioned will be on the show notes and if you're watching us on the youtube then down below check out the description section and all the links that tom has just mentioned will be there too tom thank you so much for being such an amazing guest and sharing your wisdom with us i am so glad that we talked about this topic it's really really important i think we need to take our financial well in our you know more seriously and into our own hands And most people listening will be entrepreneurs or will not be entrepreneurs. And it's even more important that they do invest on the side and do take care of their financial. I mean, because being entrepreneurs, we can tend to gamble most of our life savings away into, uh, in our, in our businesses. We, you know, we are prone to take risks. That's what makes us entrepreneurs, but we need to be sensible too, especially if we have young families or even families. Anyway, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest, Tom. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you. It was really a pleasure as well.
0: And thank you for listening to me and Tom today on Money on Money Talkies. I will be back on another Wednesday session, another Money Talkies session, speaking to another entrepreneur, another amazing individual, finding out how you and I can build a better business. Until the next time we meet, this is Go Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.